I want to know this morning, is there anything in your life, in your schedule, your routine, your habits, whatever, that you feel like you and you alone are the ones that have to do it? Like if you can't trust anyone else to necessarily do it the right way or your way, and so you just like, this has to be me. Maybe it's uh, Aaron that you run. Maybe it's how the dishwasher is loaded. Maybe it is who buys groceries or who does the driving, right? But what is it in your life that you're like, I have to be the one to do it because that's the right way? Now, I'll tell you, I absolutely have one, uh, but mine is not necessarily that I feel like I have to be the one to do it. It's more of I know who I don't want to do it. And that is making breakfast. Uh, And the person I don't want to make breakfast is my kids. You see, my kids are obsessed with this idea of making breakfast in bed for us. And they are at an age where the three of them alone in any room, let alone the kitchen, is dangerous. So uh, it just doesn't work. And so sometimes I'll even say, okay, I will help. We'll actually get up, make breakfast, and then get, they're like, no, to get back in bed. We want to serve you in bed. And as you can imagine, it's always a mess. Stuff gets spilled, and it just, it really always violates my, like, one cardinal rule in our house, which is never, ever, ever any crumbs in the bed. And so it's chaos. But it's funny because my kids want to be independent. And anytime they're not making a mess, we celebrate that independence. And the same is true for so many things. And I can actually come to you finally and report to you that finally, after many, many months, every person in the Castillo house is now potty trained. Yeah. Yes. Thank you for your prayers. (laughs) They were needed. Uh, But think about this. We love to celebrate independence, especially with kids, right? When they are finally potty trained, when they can dress themselves, when they get older and they can get their driver's license and go to the places they want to. Uh, And then one day they'll be able to rent a car. And then one day hopefully is coming when they can start paying for their own things, right? Like that's the hope that we have. But we celebrate independence in our kids. And as they grow and begin to do things on their own, we celebrate it. But the same is actually true for adults. Think about this. We love to celebrate independence in adults. We celebrate financial independence. We celebrate when someone becomes debt-free, and they're no longer bound by, by the strings of debt. We celebrate when someone, we celebrate stories of people who quit their jobs to go and pursue their dream job or to start their own business, right? We celebrate that. We also celebrate retirement. When someone retires, we say, man, you made it. You made it all this way. Now you're done. Now you can finally do whatever it is you've always actually wanted to do. Right? Like now you have independence. You can set your own schedule. You can do whatever it is that you want. Now, I just recognize that this is how the culture that we live in, this is how we raise our kids in so many ways. And this is not a good or a bad thing. But I recognize that when we grow up this way, it often leads us and makes us people who find it hard to ask for help. Like we are people who do not like to rely on others, to ask for support, or to ever in any way feel dependent on someone else. Now, that can be okay at times, but when the hard things of life come our way, we often convince ourselves that we just have to be stronger. We just have to work harder. We have to put our heads down and push through. We just have to have thicker skin or not be so 
week. And so this morning, if, if that sounds like you, if you feel like you have been working for some time to take steps in your journey with Jesus, to find some sort of freedom and you continue to fail, if you feel like you've just been spinning your wheels and you lack joy or purpose, I want you to know that this morning's message from Jesus is for you. And we're going to look at a moment in a teaching from Jesus that I fully believe has the power to change your life. And so as we look at it, would you turn with me this morning, if you have a Bible, with me to John chapter 15. John is in the New Testament portion of your Bible. It's the fourth book, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John chapter 15 and verse 1. And what we'll see is these are some of Jesus' final words before his betrayal and his execution. And so they're very important. He wants his disciples and you and I to really understand what he's about to say. Verse 1, here's what Jesus says. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. And the last verse, verse 5, is really the foundation of what I want us to look at today. Jesus said, I am the vine, and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, I love the way that Jesus teaches. He really is the perfect teacher. And so many times, in order to communicate really big truths about who God is and who he's made us to be, he would tell stories. He would tell a parable about for us to imagine something, and then he would communicate a really deep foundational truth through it. Other times, he would point to the things around us. He would point to nature itself. He would say, look at the birds, or look at the flowers in the field. And here he says, look and think about a vine. And Jesus wants us to look, and by looking, he's going to communicate a powerful truth about what our relationship to him is meant to look like and be like. And so Jesus simply says that he is the vine, and we are the branches. Now, I don't know how often you frequent a vineyard, but I needed to go back and to look, and I brought a picture this morning, and here's what Jesus is referring to. Yeah, if you look at this picture, you see there is this beautiful, big, strong vine that runs throughout the vineyard, and he's saying that that is him. He's saying we are these little offshoots, these branches, the branches that bear the fruit, but he's saying that we are those branches, and he is the vine. And by drawing our eyes to this picture, to this illustration, he's showing us what it means to be connected to Jesus. He's saying that we get our life from the vine that we and everything we do depends on the vine, that we are dependent on him, and all of our life comes from him. Now, this is a powerful statement, not only because we can see visually what Jesus is talking about, but Jesus called himself the true vine. By using the word true, he's telling us that there are, in fact, false vines, that there are vines in our life that we choose to connect ourselves to that are not him. That there are vines that we choose to live our lives, build our lives on, find our purpose in, and follow instead of him. And Jesus wants us to know that you were created to be connected to him, the vine. And when we connect our lives to other things, to other vines, 
There is no joy, fulfillment, or hope, or life found in them, that they only come from him and when we're connected to him. Now, my favorite part of this entire passage is the end of verse five, and I just wanna read it for us one more time. Jesus said this, apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, when you first hear that, or you first read those words, I just want you to think, like, what goes through your mind when you hear Jesus say that? And if I'm honest with you, when I read those words, it really conflicts with so much of who I have been raised to be, an independent, self-starting, hard-working person. And it's a bit offensive for, for Jesus to say to me, hey, apart from me, there's nothing that you can really and it's so foreign to us. That phrase is so foreign because it's contrary to everything that we teach our kids. It's contrary to everything I teach my kids, right? From the moment they're born, we teach them and raise them up to say, hey, you are capable. You are smart. You are capable. You are independent. Whatever it is that you set your mind to, if you just work hard enough, then you can achieve whatever it is that you put your mind to. We've been raised that way. We teach our kids that. It is a good thing. But that truth is so different from what Jesus is saying here. The words from Jesus hit so different. Like you would hate if your kid's little league t-ball coach or their dance instructor or gym instructor like quoted these words from Jesus to your kid, right? Like if they said, hey, hey, son, hey, girl, like apart from me, you can't do anything. You'd be offended, right? You would say, what do you mean they can't do anything? No, they're smart. They're capable. They're hardworking, right? They, we have raised them in this way. And yet this is how we often think about this truth. When Jesus says it to us, like, what do you mean I can't do anything? I've accomplished a lot in my life. Like, look at my resume. Look at what I've done at work. Look at all the things I've done. And this really conflicts so much with our love of independence, and it, it conflicts with me, honestly. And yet, so often and over the years, honestly, I've learned to find life in this verse. I've learned to find life in this verse and freedom in this truth from Jesus. That this is not an indictment on my inability. This is not meant to tear me down or make me feel less than. That this is meant to showcase and to highlight Jesus' power and his ability alone. For so much of my life, I applied the self-starter, can-do, hard-working nature and attitude towards my faith and towards the hard things in life. And if you've ever done that, and maybe that's you in this room, it doesn't take long before you start to recognize it's exhausting and it's impossible, that we cannot do it on our own. And these words from Jesus are meant to be a reminder that I and you are just the branch. And he is the vine, the vine where all life comes from, that all of the life change that you are looking for in life, that all of the patience that you desire, all the perseverance to push through the hard things of life, all of the peace that you seek and all of the self-control that you wish that you had cannot come from you. They must come from Jesus, that you are incapable of producing these things and thank Jesus that is true. They must come from him. 
that your hope to make it through your recent diagnosis, your hope to make it through whatever addiction that you're facing, whatever hard season you're walking through, whatever bad news you've received, whatever crisis of faith that you're currently experiencing, your hope is not in your ability to just be stronger, to just work harder, to just have thicker skin or not be so weak. Your hope is in Jesus' ability to bring you through it. His power is sufficient, not mine and not yours. It's not about being stronger or working harder, having thicker skin. True life is found actually in the opposite. True life is found in surrender. So often we have been told that life is found in independence, that when you can do whatever it is you want on your own, when you can achieve the things that you set your mind to, that's when you really have found life and fulfillment and joy, when you can do whatever it is you want on your own. But the reality is, is that true life is found in dependence and surrender to Jesus. And this is contrary to everything we have been told and raised to believe in ourselves. But the truth is when we take our worries, our struggles, our shortcomings, our failures, and we simply say and hand them over to Jesus and say, I can't. Jesus, I recognize I am incapable of doing these things. I need you. There is such life in that moment. And if we go back and we read verses 3 and 4, I want us to also see what Jesus is saying here. He said, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Jesus says that if you are connected to him, if you remain in him, you will bear fruit. Now, I want you to know this is not a warning. This is not you better bear fruit or else you will be cut off and thrown away. It is actually a promise that if you are connected, if you are connected to the vine of Jesus, you will bear fruit because he is producing it, not you. And so when you bear fruit, it just leads to the question, what does that look like? What is fruit? What does it look like to bear fruit? Well, in Galatians chapter 5, in the book of Galatians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul gives us a list. And here's what he says. The fruit of the Spirit. He's saying the Holy Spirit will produce these things in every person who follows Jesus. And here's what he will produce. Love, joy, peace, forbearance, or often called patience, Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That when you are connected to the vine, the Holy Spirit will produce these things in you and in your life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And he's saying that these should be our priorities. These should be our goals. These should be what we focus on as followers of Jesus, that we want to produce more of this in our life. Now, you may read that list. You may hear that list and think, that's kind of a weird list to be goals, to be priorities, to work towards achieving. Like, you may think that, that list belongs on a coffee mug somewhere. Like, that list belongs on a piece of art on my mother-in-law's wall, right? Like, that is just not concrete enough for us. We love goals. We love things that are concrete that I can know when I achieve them. Like, I want to get into this school 
So it means I need this grade because I want this job and I want to move up in this way and achieve this or make this. Whatever it is, we love concrete goals because we like to work. We like to achieve. And this just reminds me, you know, last weekend, Emily and I, we had the opportunity to spend a weekend on a retreat with our college-age students here at Brazos Point. And they're all about 18 to 24-ish. And it was an incredible week for us. And I just want you to know that God is doing something incredible in that group here at Brazos Point. Like what they mean to our student ministry, what they mean to this church, what they mean to just us in our personal life and in this community, it's incredible what God is doing amongst them. And I love getting to spend time with them because they have their whole life ahead of them. They're still picking a career and what they want to do. They're still picking where they want to live or where they want to move to, if they want to be married or not, or who they want to be married to. They're, all of their life plans are in front of them. Now, it often can lead to worry, anxiety, and comparison, but I love sitting with them and just asking about what they're working for what they're working towards. Hey, what are you doing right now? What do you want to accomplish in the next six months, next year? And I always love to hear their dreams and their plans, and I always ask the same question. I always just ask, why? Okay, you want to get into that school. Awesome. Why? Okay, because you want to get that job when you graduate. Awesome. Why? And I love the exercise of just asking why to drill down. Okay, what at the heart and at the core is driving you to do these things. And I want you to think about the same thing today. I want you to think about for yourself, what is it that you want in life? What are your goals? What are you working towards to achieve? And I don't want you to just think what you would say to me face to face if we talked after this. I want you to honestly say, here's what I want my life to be about. Here's what my goals are. And then I want you to think, not just what you would say, but what does your life say are your goals? What does your life say you want it to be about? What do your priorities say you're working towards? What does your calendar say is important to you? What does your bank account say? What are the things that worry you and make you anxious say is most important or that you are working towards and that you care about the most? Maybe it's a better paying job. Maybe it's financial independence. Maybe it's a dream of starting your own business. Maybe it's to go back to school or to travel or to retire or to get your kids graduated or just to get them potty trained, whatever it may be. What are your goals? And then I want you to go back and think about that list for us in Galatians chapter 5. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, I doubt for most of you, as you thought about your goals and what your life is for and working towards, that any of those made the cut, right? Like, those are some weird five-year, ten-year plans. Like, I imagine that if someone asked you, hey, what are you, what's your five-year plan? Like, if you were to say, well, probably some gentleness and some faithfulness and uh, some self-control, <laughs> like, your coworkers would probably ridicule you, like, that's not really a goal. Like, that's not something, like, you're really working towards that. That's what you want to accomplish. But here's what I want you to think about. We have been told our whole life, and by so many different people and places in the world, that true life is found in achieving other things. That if you could just get that job, 
if you could just make this much money, if you could just move to this place or have that type of house or whatever it may be that we've been told that life exists and is found in having all of these things. And when we read this list and we think, yeah, those weren't really our goals and how do I make my life around that? I just want you to think about this. If you could say about yourself in six months or a year, if you could just see yourself in six months or a year and someone could say, hey, in that time, you are fully experiencing love and joy and patience and self-control and faithfulness. And not only that you are fully experiencing them, but you are freely giving those things. Your life is full of that. People receive that when they're near you and around you. If someone was able to tell you that, would you really be able to say, man, that's an empty life. No. And here's the interesting thing. If we took so many of the desires that we have in life, of what we want to achieve or strive to get, maybe it's money, status, power, fame, security, happiness. If you keep asking why and drilling down, well, why do you want that job? Why do you want to go to that school? Why do you want that career? Why do you want that place or that house or all those things? If you keep asking why and you keep drilling down, so many of those things are ultimately leading you to that list. That you want those things and you're looking for those things because ultimately, deep down, what you really want at the end of the day is you want peace. You want security. You want to know that you're going to be okay, that you have enough, that your kids will be taken care of. You really just want peace. Or maybe you want joy and you're looking for them in all of these other places, and you're searching for joy or security or peace or kindness or self-control in so many other places. And yet Jesus is telling us here that they all come from him. And when we are connected to him, the vine, where true life is found. And this is not our nature. We want to work. We want to earn. We want to work hard and to achieve. But for these things to come out in our life, we simply have to let go. We have to take all of our wants, all of our dreams, all the things we wish and we think we can achieve on our own and simply turn them over to Jesus and say, I cannot, but you can. When we surrender our life to him, it ultimately leads us to life. And it may be contrary to everything we've ever been told, but that is the truth of what Jesus is telling us. Look at verse 11. Here's what he said. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and so that your joy may be complete. He's saying, I'm telling you this over and over and over ultimately because I want you to have my joy and I want that joy to be complete. The joy he's talking about is not the happiness that you often hear or we talk about. The joy he's talking about is something that is not determined by our circumstances. It is not dependent on the present and what is happening to us in the moment. It's something that carries us through. It's a joy that cannot be touched. It's a joy that carries us through life because it does not come from us. It comes from him. So how do we do this? How do we actually depend on Jesus in this way? How do we stay connected to the vine? Well, if you read these verses, the same word shows up over and over and over again. The word that shows up 11 different times is the word remain. Jesus wants us to remain in him. 
Your translation may say abide or to dwell or to live in Jesus. And it really just means to be devoted to and connected to the vine. So how do we do that? I love Pastor Craig Grishel, who's a pastor in Oklahoma. I love how he talked about this. And he was a simple example. He said, do you want to know if you're truly devoted? Do you want to know if you are really connected to the vine and the source of all life? He said, just think about this. And I want you to think about it this morning. Look at this. This is you up here on the screen. That right there is you in your life. And here's what all of those little lines represent. Those lines represent your time and your week. That, is, that represents 168 hours. That is how many hours you have every single week. That's your life. And I just want you to think about, if we want to truly be connected to the vine of Jesus, the source of all life, well, where do we spend our time? Well, if we have 168 hours in the week, well, a third of that, 56 hours, is hopefully dedicated to sleep. Hopefully you're getting enough sleep. Well, there goes a third of it. And if we keep going, another third of that is most likely devoted to work or school. And it really leaves us with about 56 hours left that we just kind of call stuff. This is everything else in life. And if we look at our week, we have this last little bit of 56 hours that we start to carve into with all of the things of life. This is, you know, we go and buy, we buy groceries. We go to our kids' games. We take them to other practices. We have homework that we have to do or that we have to help with. We have to pay our bills. We have to car trouble. We have to fix things. We catch up with friends. We spend time on social media and Facebook and Snapchat. We watch the game. We catch up on our show. And everything starts to eat into the remaining time we have. And if we're honest this morning, for the vast majority of us in this room, we're left with this, this one little hour that we give to Jesus. And that's just really, for most of us, it's the hour we spend in this room when we get together and we worship together and we open God's word, but it's just this one hour. And then we turn around and we say, Jesus, I want to be connected to the source of all life. I want to be devoted. I want to remain in you. And yet when we see our life played out, how true can that really be? To remain in means an all-in devotion. The branch needs the vine. You need the vine. You were created to depend on Jesus. So how often are you running to him, connecting with him? Listen, the goal is not a one-hour week to come in this room to have attendance and then just to appease God. The goal is to connect. The goal is to connect to the source of all life. And here is the hard truth. Devotion to Jesus is not accidental. You cannot accidentally become fully devoted to Jesus. That's just not how it works. And we know this in all of the other parts of our life. Like we know this. Listen, I know that I cannot hope to suddenly one day wake up and just be more connected to and in love with my wife. I know that it takes work. And it must become a priority. It must be something that we prioritize in our life. Our life is crazy. The last three weeks have been a blur. This week, for example, every night we had some sort of commitment or practice or activity that one or both of us was uh, committed to. And so this week we really just recognize, hey, our date this week 
This is the complete truth. Our date this week was when we took our daughter on her kindergarten field, field, our kindergarten field trip to Sesame Street Live. And we took uh, buses full of kindergartners to this arena in Houston to watch Sesame Street Live. And it was chaotic and crazy and fun all at the same time. And then we put them on the bus and sent them home. And we're like, we're going to sneak away to a local coffee shop to spend just 30 minutes with each other. Because we knew life is crazy and we will not accidentally become more connected to each other. It has to become a priority and it has to be something that we fight for. And you know this in every other part of your life. You know that when it comes to your finances, that you have to make things priority. You will not just magically wake up one day and be debt free or to be financially independent. In your work and in your job, you know you have to prioritize things. You will just not become successful by accident. Or at the gym, you're not just going to wake up one day and suddenly be fit. It has to become priority or else you won't do it. And it's the same with Jesus. You will never, ever, ever accidentally live a fully devoted life to Jesus. You just won't. Jesus will meet you wherever it is you connect with him, and he will be there. But we have to recognize and be honest with ourselves that we will not do this unless we prioritize it. And so how, I want to get super practical this morning. How do we actually do this? How do we take steps towards this to live to devotion and to remain in Jesus? And as practical as it can be, here's what we do. We have to pre-decide a time and a place to connect with Jesus. You have to decide before you look at your week and you say, well, here's what's left. You have to decide, I'm going to make this a priority. I'm going to put in the big rock of connection with Jesus first and let everything else fall in around it. You cannot just say it will happen if it happens and it will happen when it happens. You have to pre-decide this time, this place, on this day, in this way, I'm going to commit connect with Jesus. And it might look different for every person in this room. Maybe for you, it's in the morning. It's before everyone else wakes up and it's actually quiet that you spend some time to connect with Jesus. Maybe for you, it's when you have coffee on your porch or in your living room by yourself. Maybe it's on your commute that you have some time in the car and turn the radio off maybe and, and turn the podcast off and just say, I'm going to pray. I'm going to listen to the Bible and I'm going to connect with Jesus in these moments. Maybe for you it's late at night when everyone else is asleep and it's just you. Or maybe if you have kids, it's in the bathroom. With, you can lock the door, right? Those few moments that you can actually get away and lock the door before the fingers start to come under the door trying to get to you. Like maybe for you, that's you and that's real life and that's honest. But we have to pre-decide that we are not going to give Jesus our leftovers, that we want to be connected to him, and so we want to build our life around him. That Jesus, if we are the branches, that he is just not a part of our life, that he is our life. And so we need to prioritize and build our lives around that truth that if you want love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control, then it will only truly ever come from him. And when you are connected to him in the source, scripture will tell us that the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead now lives in you. And that same spirit is what's bringing those things about within you. 
And this morning, if you are not a follower of Jesus, I just want you to know you can work as hard as you can imagine and as possible, but you will never find the joy and the fulfillment and the life that can only be found in Jesus. I want you to know that you were made to be connected to the vine of Jesus. And that's how he made you. And so surrender to him. Believe in him. Trust him. If you have questions, we would love to connect with you and walk you through what that looks like. But joy and satisfaction in life can only be found in him. And it all comes down to surrender. Do you and I want a life that's full of love when we're surrounded with people who don't love us? Do you want to have joy in the midst of difficult circumstances? Do you want to have patience when you're ready for the season to be over? Do you want to have peace in the middle of chaos and kindness when there's no reason to have it and self-control when you feel like you cannot ever do the things that you want to do? It can only come from him. And we do not work harder or strive more. It begins by surrendering it all to him. Our desires, our wants, our independence and recognize I am just a branch and he is the vine. And we have to trust him and recognize that all life really just comes from him. So would we surrender to him? Let me pray. Father, thank you for just this reminder, God, that it means what it means, God, to be dependent on you and to have life flourish within us, God, really means to stop working at just being better and stronger, God, but to really start to depend on you and surrender all we are to you. So, Father, I pray that you would help us to do that, to let go in so many ways and areas of our life, and, Lord, that you would bring in the fruit that you have promised. God, that we would find love and joy and patience and self-control and faithfulness, God, and all of those things, God, would they begin to well up in us as we depend on you more. Father, help us to trust in you and what you have done. We love you and pray all this in Jesus' name.